here with Chris Stefanik. We just recorded a Life on the Rock episode with you, and we had a great conversation after the show. I thought I'd put some of that on, on the blog here. Okay. Let's uh, go through your, your own conversion story for the umpteenth time yeah. over time. <laughs> <laughs> Never gets old thinking about how the Lord moved in my life, you know. My, my, uh, my, my parents dragged me to a retreat, and this is a typical experience kids have. You know, my parents made me come here. And when a kid says that to me, I just say, oh, thank you, Lord. You know, you're the kid I want to talk to, because that was me. And the, the thing that changed my life, and, and really, I, I have distinct memories. I walked into this room, and the people, the light, the life in their faces, the joy in their faces. It was, the, it was a Scranton, Pennsylvania charismatic conference, you know. Um, I realized immediately that they had what I wanted. Uh, it, and it wasn't the, the, the professional evangelist on the stage. Oh, that was great and very important. It was the real-life Catholics who I just saw in the room, living the life of grace and the joy that they brought them. And the, the first Christians called themselves the living ones. Pope Benedict XVI wrote about that, and I forget where. Um, but what a perfect descriptor for a Christian. Uh, the, the person who has this inner life that comes from somewhere else. <laughs> it's bigger than the whole world. And when we see that in someone, we, ha- we have to want it. Right. You know, when you get the beatific vision someday, you can't want other than the good, the true and beautiful, because you see it uh, without the veil. You know, When God gives you the insight into the life of grace in somebody, you have to want it. And I, I just wanted it as a kid. I just wanted that. And that set me in a new course. How come you didn't see him like as Jesus freaks? Or you were you were raised in a devout home? I was raised in a devout home. Yeah, yeah, um, and and yeah, I, it took me a while to get the habit of living my faith. You know, I had tons of vices at a young age. I was drinking after school regularly before I went in that retreat. I, you know, my goal in life was to to mess around with girls. I, the people I look up to are my secular rock icons. My family was, they were a good Catholic family and, and devout, but, um, and I always had a sense of God's presence, mm-hmm. you know, but it was beyond that that kicked it to the next level to where, you know, no, this is what I want for my life, my God and my all, right, like St. Francis said. Um, but, you know, again, it, it, took, it took a long time before uh, I was really living that out. I was an evangelist to my friends at school. Uh, it took a couple of years. It took the sacrament of confirmation, took the daily rosary, it took... All these, all these things, you know. And it was Catholic or public school? Public school. That's where I first learned to share my faith. Oh, wow. <laughs> and the Lord had me there for a reason. You know, I, I was mixing and mingling with the same kids that I had hung out with before I got into my faith. Uh, but, you know, being who I was, as, being what I saw at that conference, just trying to be the, a joyful presence that would make the faith attractive mm-hmm. in who I am. And, and didn't always do that gracefully either. Just like you practice the life of grace, there's, there's times where I, I uh, did not share the faith gracefully at all. But, you know, practice makes perfect. You just keep, keep going, keep having at it. And you went to Steubenville, studied theology, philosophy? Philosophy, theology, Steubenville, and marketing. And marketing. <laughs> yeah, and met my wife. You Most important thing that happened at Steubenville. You majored in all three? Uh, major, minor, minor. Major theology and then and the minors in philosophy marketing. And we're moving back to Steubenville this, this summer. Okay. Yeah. And why is that? You're living in hip, cool Denver, <laughs> happening place, easy place to travel in and out of. Yeah. You know, in a, in a lot of ways, to get uh, real with you, there's been um, uh, 
I, I want to move there in part because it's not the hip, cool place with the sunshine and, and very, um, I mean, Denver's a really nice city, you know. It's becoming more of a fast-paced city and, and, and uh, more of a wealthy city and a lot of prosperity there. And uh, I feel called back personally, um, although the Catholic community there is amazing, personally to return a bit more to my own Franciscan roots, you know, my, my Franciscan university roots, but there's a, there's part of the culture there that, um, is, is profoundly Franciscan that, uh, I want to put my feet in, uh, you know, and raise my kids in. And, uh, my wife's going to go back and study counseling. She feels called by God to, to use her gifts in that area to, to help, especially women. And, um, she's going to study counseling at the university. So, and how did you all meet? The back of ethics class, yeah. <laughs> freshman and year. Doctor Harold. Doctor Harold. Yes, <laughs> yes, it was yeah. Doctor Harold's. Yeah. yeah, and I would love she'd fight with him about different things because he he was a phenomenologist. She was very Thomist minded, and yeah. I'd love to hear them fight. You know, and I thought oh, she's so cool, uh, and she was really cool. You know, surfer girl from California, kind of cool. Um, Why was she Thomist? Uh, you know, that's just how her, that's just how she thought. I mean, I just you know, uh, I don't know, I don't really know why, but she'd hear. I, she's more a phenomenologist now than she was then, yeah, yeah. but it was. I, I think maybe because she had a very radical conversion, and everything had to be um, very distinctly a definable black and white or get out of here, you know. Um, which you know, not 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 the phenomenology is a watered down thing, but you know, it's just the way her spirit was wired at the time. And then. Because you wrote the book on relativism, was that some, from some of his class? Yeah, from uh, Dr. Lee's class. Well, he he was a great teacher about relativism. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I love the university. Yeah. yeah. So you weren't going there. It's another draw. And they don't know that yet. Oh no, my first one's already there. <laughs> my second one has a choice between Steubenville or, if he wants, Steubenville. <laughs> Uh, it was, some parents are thinking that I hope my kid chooses Steubenville. Uh, parents, if you're paying the bill. Right. You can do more than hope. Right. <laughs> right. You know, but they all do love the Lord too, and and they, I mean, honestly, they're looking forward to Steubenville because it's a, a great place to grow in your faith. Yeah. Not have it robbed from you while you're in college, or have to defend it for four years, or you know. Yeah. You know, and and Father Scanlon um, passed away not too long ago, and we had a little show honoring him. Um, and what. I, I just did a summer there, pre-theology stuff. But I remember when I entered in the early mid-90s, Steubenville was like the big light for American Catholicism. Talk about you having gone there, studied there, met your wife there. What is the gift of Steubenville's been, you think, to the culture, to the church? A great question. Yeah, well, I mean, we're doing one of our real-life Catholic episodes there this year to kind of look at the, the miracle of Steubenville, you know, which struck me as I, when I dropped my daughter off and they had a festival of praise. And, and here's 1,100 college students on a Friday night. And what are they doing? They're, they're praising God. And there's, you know, and, and, and there's adoration. And, and uh, what? What is going on there? <laughs> there? There's something that Father Mike had the vision to start when he, he said, you know what, this, this, this college, we're all in. My God and my all. You know, there's the spirit of, of St. Francis and of Franciscan University uh, where he said, you know, we're going to cancel the sports program. Uh, they still have sports, but it's not, they're not recruiting for it. It's not, we're going to cancel this, we're going to cancel that, we're going to cancel the other thing. This university exists for Jesus Christ. 
That's it. It's a university. It's a great educational institution like any university should be. Uh, but this place is different because it exists for him. And he, he had the boldness to do that. Uh, and everybody thought he was crazy. And lo and behold, it saved the university that was about to fold and uh, made it a light for the nations, really. Um, but the, a real miracle that's happened there that I, I haven't seen as effectively reproduced in any ministry ever is that it self-perpetuates, that you have generation after generation of students where there's a groundswell of holiness and positive peer pressure, and they're having fun like any kids at any of the college, and they're also doing some stupid things like kids at some other colleges, you know, because they're, they're kids. I mean, you feel old when you're a freshman in college till you become 40 and you look at freshman in college and think, oh my gosh, <laughs> I was not as old as I felt. Um, but the, the, the peer pressure there trends in the right direction. And that's, um, that's not top down. That's the miracle of Steubenville, that, that it's not because, you know, hey, I'm discipling you, you're under me, or I have to force this on you. It's a, a certain, well, like St. Francis, the Lord sent me brothers, right? There's a certain brotherhood, sisterhood that I, I think maybe it's particularly the household system that Father Scanlon started. The spiritual fraternities, basically, is what they are where there's that atmosphere, that's, uh, that, that structure, yeah. where generation after generation of students is pushing each other on to greatness spiritually. And let's talk about uh, real-life Catholic. Uh, you connect it to your own experience of conversion, what you're trying to do there. Tell us about that model. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I've, I've been speaking for years around uh, at parishes and have made a shift about two and a half years ago. Um, to where I don't just say yes to request to come out and give a talk. I, I sometimes do for, for major events, but for the most part, um, we take those requests and ask them, you know, yeah, Chris will come, but will you work with us for six months before he gets there? Because we want to make sure that his gifts to evangelize are leveraged to turn your parish into a more evangelizing parish, uh, or leveraged so that, that teams of volunteers can rise up and do what Catholics are supposed to do, which is invite their whole neighborhood back to God. And I, I want to pride myself on being the least innovative ministry in the Catholic Church. <laughs> you know, by invite people back to God, what I literally mean is they're literally saying, come, come to this event, going yeah. to their neighbors' houses, going to their friends, their families, their, their inactive Catholics uh, that they know, and inviting them back. And um, so it's, it's kind of like, uh, you know, I guess the closest analogy that would be more well-known in Billy Graham Crusade, right? But for the Catholic world, we're, we're really trying to get parishes and regions intentional about this invitation. So we're going to small towns and seeing a thousand people come out and pack the church to where there's, there's no standing room only. And there's a very clear invitation to a relationship with Jesus Christ, make a decision for him, and to follow him in daily life every day. And that is every Wednesday night somewhere else in the country. Reallifecatholic.com, click on See Chris Live tab, and that's how you find out about how to do it. So it's a one-night event? It's a one-night event, real simple, yep. And are you the only speaker, or do you have a team? Or? I'm it. It's the team. The, the big part is the team. that We have a staff that works full-time uh, to accompany parishes on that journey. Yeah. You know. And so the six-month preparation is the in inviting... Their area that's getting them. Yeah, it's the inviting, and it's they're they're having monthly meetings, and we we provide you know all all the info that they need for those meetings. We provide the 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 outreach materials, but the the only real outreach material that works in the end is 
these people fellowshipping and praying together and agreeing together, we're going to push each other on to invite our neighborhood back to God. So we're seeing lives change every week at this thing. And, and parishes change their mentality. We're seeing, you know, pastor told me recently, he's, wow, 70% of the faces here I don't really see at church. Uh, 70%. And, uh, another one told us recently that their their small groups, that their parish have doubled in size since Reboot, because we're we're challenging people as they come to not only enter deep, more deeply into a relationship with Jesus, but a relationship with their parish and what's going on there. So it's it's been a profound difference starting these events. And do you have like a priest are there to help with conf- hear confessions and? On occasion, and I love when this happens, yeah. priests of the parish will say, you know, let, let's all get together and do that. You know, right. we don't require it, but yeah. boy, I love when they do. Yeah. And what are some of the themes you would, you would talk on at the mission? The, the central driver is that, um, you know, there's a great Pope Francis quote. He, he said, we're in the midst of a love story, and if we don't understand that, we've understood nothing of what the church is. You know, and I think we have a world that's come to associate Catholicism with rules or regulations or rituals or a political issue or a particular scandal. And uh, we're here to say no. We have rules, rituals, regulations, and we have scandals that we've had to deal with, but what is this all about? It's kind of like in a marriage, if you lose the sight of the love story, all you're left with is exteriors, things that come from what should be the love story. You have rules, you have rituals, you have regulations— Plenty of them in marriage, right? And if you lose sight of why did we do this in the first place, marriage becomes burdensome. And the world has come to perceive Catholicism as a burdensome proposition. Hey, take this extra burden in your already busy life. And uh, we want a clear call to the world to come back to why we did all this in the first place. Yeah. And how do you get people to encounter Jesus or experience his love or... To realize it's a relationship. You know, one of my cousins came to a Reboot Live event in New Jersey, and, and afterwards, and he, he had gone to Catholic school through college, from K through college, had gotten the sacraments. After the event, he said, I'd never before thought of my faith as a Catholic as having to do with my relationship with God, which blew me away. Um, I think we need to say the obvious as a church, or people forget uh, we, we, need, we need to talk about the gospel. It's the primary proclamation, and Pope Francis said this in Evangelii Gaudium, not because uh, it's something we say and then move past, but because it underlies everything we do, <laughs> everything we say. Everything we say has to be situated and come back to it, and we should never presume people grasp it. Uh, so, you know, along the lines of remaining the least innovative ministry in the church, <laughs> how do we do it we just we just do it you know jesus loves you he died for you come to him and we get we deliver that in, in an hour talk wow. uh, yeah. is there a, a favorite it's a two and a half hour event it's not just an hour it's two and a half hours but that's you know gives you the summary of what that is praise and worship uh a little bit a little bit you know it's it's simple minimalistic but very engaging yeah. and what are some of the scripture passages you like to talk about um I love the prodigal son. That's how I end the whole event, you know. Um, And I love John 10.10. Jesus said, I came so they might have life and have it to the full. John 15.16. I told you these things so my joy may be in you, and your joy may be complete, you know. When we present Catholicism as, you know, 
instead of constantly being on the defensive, which is really, it, it's letting the world frame the conversation. <laughs> we got to be on the offensive, right? right. That, that uh, this is something that makes our joy complete. The, the byproduct of that is, well, there's conversions that happen, but a beautiful byproduct is that the engaged Catholics who come end up more proud of their faith again mm. instead of trying to hide it. Mm. You know, we, because when something, when, when they have this inward uh, you know, perception of their faith, well, maybe the world doesn't see this as burdensome rules and that's it. Right. That's the end of the story. Of course they're going to be shy about sharing their faith. Right. right? Were you at Denver World Youth Day? I was there, junior in high school. Yeah. yeah. And that was the theme. I came, you may have life and abundance. Yes, and I will never forget it. And it's been my favorite scripture since. Yeah. Yep. What I, I watched it. I didn't go. I had I don't know, it was a temporary insanity. <laughs> we had a bus from a parish, and yeah. and I didn't go, but I watched it on EWTN with a group of friends. I wasn't a friar, and and I I just remember we clicked it on and. He's like at Cherry Creek State Park going up those steps to a fanfare for the common man, Aaron Copeland. And I grew up with that song. My dad loved that song. It's so American. It was like just absolutely perfect. You know, he's in America and they have this American composer. And he was so dramatic, you know, and I, I remember him go up a few steps, turn around, gesture and everything. <laughs> and I was like, I was sitting there, you know, a 70s, 80s Catholic, barely catechized. And I, I've never seen a church like this. I've never mm -hmm. seen celebration or power. I mean, he communicated to me like this great strength mm -hmm. and everything. But that was anointed. Oh, <laughs> man. Really? Yeah. I mean, talk about a moment where the whole world saw yeah. Yeah. this is what Catholicism is, folks. Yeah. It's yeah. joy. It's life yeah. to the full. Yeah. Uh, and he stayed on point. Yeah. You know, while he wasn't afraid to address hard issues, right. he always brought it back to the person of Jesus. That that infiltrated everything he said. It, man, Scripture came alive when he talked like, like right. like I've never heard before or since. Right. I, I remember at World Youth Day in Toronto, where he you know he was talking about the Beatitudes and how Jesus is here saying this to you right now, just as he was in the beach of Galilee. Here we are in the beach, and and, and Lake, um, uh, what's the lake? Sorry, uh, Erie. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> I can't think straight right now because I'm on, um, and it's been a very long day. But uh, you know, it's just like he brought the scripture alive here and now, and it's 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 all like Jesus is saying this to you now. Right. Everything was brought back to that context with him, yeah. and and back to that context of life to the full. That the fundamental longing in your heart is answered by Jesus Christ. Everything, right? Yeah. It dripped right. off everything he said. Right. And, and you saw the fruit of that. Boy, it worked. Yeah, I mean, I, I know Weigel in the biography talks about how... Lake the, Ontario. My, Lake Ontario. Lake Ontario. <laughs> I'm sorry. There we go. Sorry. George Weigel, yeah. Yeah, he, he was just saying how there was all this doubt, you know, could this Polish pope reach American youth? And there was, like, cynicism. And then he just comes in with this boldness, challenging message, but uh, proclaiming the gospel without gloss, you know, it <laughs> just yeah. ignited everything, you know. Yeah. But gospel's relevant. Gospel's right. as relevant as ever. Yeah. We don't have to get all creative about this. Right. And then, like, real-life Catholic, uh, you had a little an inspiration about that, right? You, like an interior voice. Tell us about that. About the TV show. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, 
Oh, gosh, man. Okay, so the initial inspiration, for back to my own conversion, I saw the life in that, in that guy at the, the conference, uh, the many people, but this one guy in particular, I remember his face. He, he, it, because of, of him and, and other faces that show the life of Christ, I'm doing what I do. You know, uh, I, when I do our TV show, it's not a Christophanic show. Mm-hmm. It's the every Catholic show. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I want to show that joy that I saw in people that changed me. Mm-hmm. I want to show it to the world. Uh, our, our events, I'm an excuse for parishioners to rise up and do their job, yeah. which is invite people and bring them to a Catholic community that changed my life. Um, but a particular experience I had with this show, uh, I was asking the Lord, you know, I, was, I, I remember where I was, and it was Teresa of Avila talked about this, if God, if the interior voices from God, you remember very particularly, it leaves a mark. Mm-hmm. You know, I was driving uh, on the road from Boulder, Colorado to Estes Park, and um, I remember right where I was, and I, I was, uh, asking the Lord, what do you want me to do with my media ministry? <clears throat> and the voice in my soul was very clear, uh, tell my story. And I just knew what he was saying. Mm-hmm. You know, like when St. Paul was persecuting Christians, saw why, do you, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? You know, and he, and he found it was Jesus talking about himself, associating himself with his, what the church calls the mystical body of Christ. Mm-hmm. He's the head and we're the body. So he is us in this mystical way tell my story, and he, he was talking about the story of, the, of Liz Lovett, who, who died with faith, mm-hmm. uh, who was in our Death of Dignity episode, the story of, of uh, you know, a crawfish farmer in Louisiana, the story of a cranberry farmer who lived in the same cranberry bog for, for 76 years, moved there only six months old, and his dad was the farmer. Mm-hmm. But all these people living out the faith in their everyday life mm-hmm. and uh, showing how it makes life more beautiful. So that's the story I want to tell, and that's the story that reframes the, the, quote, debate we have with the world, where the world is saying, aren't you the church about this and that and the other thing, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. and we get in the defense, and raise up our, our hands, and we get in the corner, and we're trying to block and dodge the punches, and the Lord says, hey, man, put your guard down. Go on the offense. You, tell, you say what this is about. Right. This is the story of, of Jesus Christ alive and well in the world, mm-hmm. the most beautiful love story ever told. And the most attractive uh, people, it, not, not, I'm not talking physical attractive, but people who have found life to the full, mm. the living ones, yeah. the people you look at and say, man, I want what they have. Yeah, you talked too about, uh, maybe this is your marketing background too, that um, because you know, media is so competitive and it's gotten such high production values now, we're trying to get the attention of the world. You do try to find like a format that, that you use, right? What, what, how would you describe that format? We mean with the TV show itself? Yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's similar to the format you see in reality TV. Yeah. You know, that you, um, and, and by reality TV, I mean, you know, everything from a food channel show to travel channel um, to, you know, all these different Alaska shows where they're up north. You know, I, I just want to give a, an unfiltered uh, picture of, of life. And, and make people feel connected to, to, to what they're seeing in a real way, because it is real. It's, it's, you know, I, I'm allergic to scripting these shows too much. Mm-hmm. We have a general storyline in our head, but the, the story's going to tell itself. The Lord's going to tell his own story mm-hmm. through his people. Um, so we, we try to make it as beautiful as we can yeah. as we're filming and editing. Um, but that's, that's the format, is real life. Now, uh, what we offer that the secular world does not through this 
real life you know, snapshot that we present is that we don't try to scrub it of the most important things. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know how the heck have these reality shows avoid important conversations with people. Right. <laughs> right. You know, like what makes you tick? What, how, how do you see? How do you answer the most fundamental questions about why you exist and what happens when you die, right. and how does that impact your life right now? Yeah. You know, why do you have this? What is it about you that gives you that inner joy and peace? Uh, those are the things that we, we want to show the full picture of reality. Right. It's real reality TV. Yeah, and and Christianity has the essential story of every story. You know, struggle with good and bad, and uh, doing the right thing, and. Yeah seeking the fullness of life and happiness. That is just the whole story, right? Finding Jesus and yes. <laughs> living of it. I you know, we've been going through Mark's gospel. Love story. Yeah. In the in the lectionary. And it just hit me this year too. In, as I think Pope Francis often says, it's you know, Jesus is an event, you know, that has happened and he's inaugurated the kingdom and it's this action. And you know, he's like today like he sent out the twelve, you know. And it's like, you know, they're, they're like formed, they're with him. He's three years public ministry. How long were they with him at this point? You know, not that long. And they're still making all kind of misunderstandings in the gospel. You know, they don't have all, they're, they're just like saying, you know, Jesus is here, you know, <laughs> the Savior. Yeah. And like, he is the message, you know, and he is the fullness of everything that we're trying to bring people to. And I know I lose sight. Of, you know, like we talked about this too. Like you watch yeah. media and you're trying to combat untwist messages people are hearing, and it it gets so complex and angry and all oh, that stuff. And I and I I have to be disciplined myself. I I, uh, I just just honestly coming to grips with my own platform and what that means to have that platform. But we all have our own platform, you know. So what's God calling us to focus on? What's God calling you to focus on? Um, you know, there are people out there who are just so savvy and good at commenting on culture and and all the events of the day and good at battling every culture war that pops up. And, um, you know, and I'm passionate about all those things, yeah. and I'm tempted. If I f- let myself get drawn into the, the feeds on Twitter, which are half negative or 90% negative, let myself get drawn into the news, um, then I'll have more of a, a tendency to comment on all of it. And, and the Lord is saying, no, oh, Chris respect what I'm telling you through my people uh, that you're to use your platform for. People, people come to you for a message that's going to lift them up, right. <laughs> that's going to help them focus on heavenly things. Most people aren't coming to you thinking, Chris, what are, you, what are your thoughts on politics today? Right. No one's right. thinking. I'm not a political yeah. expert. Yeah. You know, I didn't study that. Yeah. They're, they're coming, to, coming to me saying, hey, I feel a little empty. Help me have a better day. Right. And, and, I, and my job is to take that and say, Hey, I, I know the, the one who can give you that better day, and it's Jesus Christ, yeah. life to the full. Yeah. You know, so, um, and, and I do think there are some people who are called in a very particular way to focus on all the events of the day. But I think um, 90% of us Catholics, or 95 or 99%, are called to, to have that clear message that is the, the charisma, the gospel, come to Jesus' message. And sadly, when I look online, and pe- the way people use their online platforms at least, it looks like 99% of us think that we're supposed to get in every political battle that comes up uh, and comment on all the junk. And I, you know, the world has gotten so bad that it's it's a little bit like um, you know Lot and, and his wife walking away from Sodom and Gomorrah. Don't look back. Don't yeah. look back. You'll turn into a pillar of salt. 
Don't, don't look back. You'll get too salty. All your preaching will go sour. He won't lift anyone up. You know, that's, right. these are the things I hear the Lord telling me that, uh, you know, keep your eyes on me, Chris, and, and help people lift their eyes up out of the, out of the muck right. onto the kingdom of heaven. And, you know, I remember in Krakow, you're over there at the big center. Was it like 40,000 people seating yeah. or something? Yeah. And you're, you know, you're talking to all these young And I always thought, like, young people is your, your audience, yeah. you know. But you were sharing with me how you feel like it's a cross-generational it is, appeal. Yeah. And it used to be, uh, I mean, my beginnings in ministry were, were purely to youth. I actually thought, I'll do anything but youth ministry, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> and I started and I realized I just fell right in love with it. You know, discernment happens when you're on the move and you're trying things out and seeing what you're fit to do and where your gifts uh, correspond with the world's needs. But the way it's developed in me is, is that uh, I'm, it's, it's very clearly a call into multi-generational ministry. Um, there's a way that we're able to message things through the TV show, through our live events, where it's not just parents forcing their kids to watch it, it's parents and their kids watching it legitimately together at the same time and laughing and crying at the same points and being moved by the same stories. And, hey, why not bring them all together? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, if you're able to, to do that, if you're called to do that, do it. Because the conversions stick when they're aimed at uh, not just a kid in isolation, mm-hmm. but a kid sitting next to mom and dad. Um, and the mom and dad are moved more powerfully. They see that their kid is moved. And then grandpa's there, and it's just and it's pulling on the heartstrings in a different way. So it interplays all these generations uh, with each other. So it's that's been that's been our, our sweet spot, really. And last question: yeah. what what's been like your source of strength? That how do you how are you fed? How do you what well do you drink from? What works for you? Yeah, um, I ha- I have to pray, uh, and and I know that wouldn't surprise anybody to hear that as an answer. Uh, but there's, I think it was St. Francis de Sales who said, uh, if you're, you should pray a half hour a day, and if you're very busy, you should pray for an hour a day, <laughs> you know? So I try to do that, you know? Um, I try to pray a lot, uh, you know, from adoration to mass to rosaries to, to liturgy of the hours, all those different things. But, uh, you know, most of all, I start each day just by listening to the Word of God, by reading the Gospel of the day, and as a foundation for my prayer life. And drink my coffee, read the gospel of the day, maybe three, four times, and, and uh, try to talk to the Lord from my heart mm-hmm. in, that, in that quiet time with Him. Um, so that, uh, keeping physically fit, helps me um, stay focused. Honestly, makes me better at praying. Mm-hmm. Uh, makes me able to keep doing the work I'm doing. Uh, and, uh, and friendships. I, I really, I'm not only an extrovert, according to the personality test, I'm 97% extrovert. <laughs> Which is why I started working at was 7 a.m. and it's almost 8:30 and I'm still going because I've been with people all day and I'm, hey I'm good. Um, so uh, you know whether it's phone or <clears throat> monthly meeting with a friend and just to talk on a deeper level about how is the Lord loving you. There's there's questions like that 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 can that can bring a friendship from hey how's it going to what's really going on and how is it really going. But we need to be known and to know our, our, our dearest friends in, in that kind of level right. to stay faithful to God. Yeah. One last question. Yeah, go for it. Is, there some, is there some public figure that has been a real inspiration for you that you kind of go back to that, his witness? Well, John Paul II. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it's in a way that's 
hard to articulate except to say Papa. <laughs> Don't you feel that? Yeah, he's just yeah, he's just a man of God, so connected, a mystic, and just a source of encouragement. You know, it's like you see him so prayerful and holy. It's yeah. just inspiration. And to think that he's up there and that we'll see him someday uh, in a way that's it's kind of like I, I have, you know, I had very holy uh, grandparents. I have a, a great uncle who was a priest who, who was beaten and imprisoned for the faith in Slovakia. I have all, all these people that I, I, I want to see someday. And my, my great aunt, who's a nun, went to adoration three, four hours a day before her death. Who um, <clears throat> I want to see someday and make him proud. And I feel that same thing with John Paul too. That it's not just a hero external to me that I look up to, but like a like a dad, like a grandpa, like a, a family member mm-hmm. who helped raise me in the faith, who I want to make proud. So, were you able to go to his canonization? I was not. No. Thanks for rubbing that in, though. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we'll just end on that note. But <laughs> thanks so much for chatting with us. God bless you. Thank you. <laughs>